What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Welcome to Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? Listen, shout out to everybody who is watching or listening to this. We truly, truly appreciate it. No matter where you're doing this from, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, the podcast world, we appreciate you. We love you. Uh, Moose, how you feeling? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to uh, to get this one underway with uh, the one and only Floyd Money Mayweather, you know? Be fun. I mean, TMT, hard work, dedication. Look, I am a big fan of Floyd. Huge fan when he was boxing. Um, yeah, he has some uh, controversy things, but I think his career overall is amazing and we have to talk about it from a standpoint of who he is and what he's done with his career afterwards or even during like so we're not going to go too much into as far as his boxing skills and everything like that but Floyd has made a incredible brand incredible businesses uh several he's uh, how much is Miss? Well, actually, let's get into the intro and then we'll get into the stats. Right. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never-before-seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. Yeah, so obviously entrepreneur, man, professional boxer, champ, 50-0, and 0, 24 million pay-per-view buys throughout his career, generated $1.67 billion in sales, and then an additional billion dollars in revenue from his promotions. Sheesh. Now, um... Say what you want about my man. He has created an amazing career. Undefeated. Sure. I don't care what you say about him. Yeah. That's yeah. Th- these are facts. He is undefeated. He didn't come out any kind of injuries too severe, right? Because, you know, you think of boxing. Unfortunately, you have people like Freddie Roach, who's dealing with Parkinson. And, you know, getting hit upside the head several million times, that can cause some health issues. Mm -hmm. But with Floyd, he believed uh, hit and don't get hit, right? Um, He made smart moves not only inside the ring, but outside the ring. And we're going to get a lot into that. But let's, let's bring it back a little bit of what actually created this drive, this hard work, dedication kind of mindset and how it really affected him throughout his whole career. My dad was locked up in the feds. I had to become a man at a young age, at 16. At 16, I had to provide for myself. had to make a way for myself. And every day, all I did was continue to dedicate myself to my craft, which was boxing. Get rides to the gym any way I can if I had to take a bus. Sometimes the snow came up past my knees. 
I was carrying a heavy, a heavy bag on my back just to get to the gym, just to make things happen. Moose, first off, um, this is going to be my question. And, and actually, let's start this off right. I messed up again. I always <laughs> do this. I always do this. So uh, if you are new, a vet, it doesn't matter. Uh, we normally go over the greats, the legends, the living legends, um, all through the lens of the flight assessment, right? Um, and of course, I've, of course, there's some missing because that's what I do. This is, of course, missing. Um, but we go through the, the lens of the flight assessment, uh, trying to figure out the patterns and characteristics of these celebrities and how we could take some of these things for our own self, right? So we got to figure out who's who, what's what, right? So we go pilot, flight attendant, grounds crew, air traffic controller, and some of y'all may not know what that means. So Moose in a minute and 30, can you explain to the people what does that mean? Absolutely. So made up of the four dominant personality styles that we know exist in the world, uh, and no, no trick question to it, man. We know that you have all four, but each one of these styles has something about them that makes them them, right? And throughout this concept, ultimately, we want to make a connection between how someone is and how they go about achieving the success that they've acquired, right? So for those pilots, when you hear us referring to pilots, we're talking about those who are super super goal-oriented, very bottom-line-driven. They're even a little bit aggressive, and they come off demanding and just a little even pushy, right? But just like a pilot, their job is to get the plane from where it is to its final destination by any means necessary. But then next, when you are getting onto your flight or onto the plane, next person you meet after you pass the uh, uh, the pilot is the flight attendant, right? Now, these individuals are a lot more about the people, right? They are about making sure that there is an emotional connection, that they're building a relationship with you, that you're having a phenomenal experience. So flight attendants are generally those who want to bring people together and, and show you a good time and them having a good time. And then next, when you're at your seat, you look out the window. If you're by the window seat, you're going to see people in orange, blue, or even green vests that are putting bags onto the plane, helping the plane get onto the runway to the gate, right? They have their hands in a lot of different places, but those grounds crew that we refer to are those individuals who are very loyal to a vision. They have their hands in a lot of different places throughout the operation, but they're really the glue that keeps everything together and they're relatively flexible in their approach. So if like, Something has to go this way, but it can't. They'll just kind of quickly make an adjustment, pivot, and keep going. And then last but not least, obviously, is the air traffic control. You don't see them. You don't hear them, per se, but you hear about them, right? Before a pilot will take off, you'll often hear them say, uh, air traffic control said we're next in line, or we have to wait a couple minutes. So usually these people are in the background. They like to work with strategy and systems. They like to pay attention to fine details. They're critical thinkers by nature, and that's what makes them them. So in combination... That's what you have. So definitely, definitely start commenting. What do you think Floyd Mayweather is, whether he's a pilot, flight attendant, grounds crew, air traffic controller, whatever you think. And we're going to break it down as we get through it. Right. So, um, Moose, now that we just kind of broke that down for, for people, um, I want to know, because we saw that 
you know, because his dad had gotten into some trouble early and he felt mm-hmm. like he had to be the man in the house, which all of a sudden build this drive that he has. Like for all the Floyd fans, you know, the the most famous chant is hard work, dedication. It didn't matter rain, sleet, snow, hail. He was going to get to that gym and he's carried this same mindset for the longest. Now, my question to you is based off the flight assessment, right? Because we're given certain results based off our answers, but how important or non-important is that background, your actual personal life, how you grew up? How does that play a part of who you are and maybe even the results of this of this assessment? Oh, for sure. So it, it's going to play a significant part, if I'm being honest, right? Because oftentimes we're not so much really focused on who you are. We're really focused on how you became the way you are, right? Like the, the your, your specific reactions or triggers or your responses or just your perspective and your overall approach to how you see the world. We really help you to identify how did that get programmed into you, right? Like that wasn't by accident. That didn't just come a, around by chance, it happened because of how you were trained or, or the type of environment or the influences that you see or saw growing up. So when we look at what you score, we look at the report and we listen to someone like Floyd kind of explain his experience, you can really see how that upbringing has wired in him a specific response and, and it gives a almost a, a biased or a heavy reliance on hard work on pushing yourself, on making sure you go the extra step, that you take the path of most resistance as opposed to, you know, going in the area of least resistance or taking the easy way out. So I would say definitely while we can't guarantee that that is the only thing that attributes to his his success, like we talked about, you know, before, you can't say that just because someone had a rough experience, they're going to be successful. And just because someone grew up in abundance, they're going to be lazy or they don't like to work hard, right? That's not something that we can go as far into and talk about. But definitely with Floyd Mayweather, especially, you can just see it in his wirings and just how he's been able to prolong that for so long. That was definitely one of those survivor of the fittest type mentality or reactions that he kind of took with him and continue to build on it in every area or every step of his career. So um, what do you think? I, you know, so we saw that he had the issues with his dad, um, uh, clearly his upbringing. Um, what else do you think plays a part with such a, a drive like that? Is it, you're naturally born with that kind of vibe. Um, we already discussed that the environment does play a part, but what are some other things um, that can help with that or at least help recognize this is maybe mm-hmm. the true reason why we have that? Because to see how Floyd is, even till this day, right, to see how driven he is, clearly everybody's motives is different. His is purely economics we see Mm -hmm. that that's clear right but how how else can we identify those things yeah well i think those who come across it at a young age are really just very fortunate to identify their gifts and their values simultaneously right so like you know what you're driven and you're motivated by and you also find some things about you that we were kind of gifted with like we talked about with floyd you know, I don't know that he acquired, let's say maybe his his 
fast twitch muscles or his just his his ability to duck out of punches and be very good with that naturally or i'm sure he's developed those skills right. but there were certain things that were given to him planted from a god-given ability that helped him become who he was and not just only to stick to that particular example but you know you think of like a jordan or a lebron right they were given the gift of the height right because even with their insane work ethic they won't be as successful had they been 5'2", for example, right. right? So certain things, certain things are, you are born with them and you are, those who are really able to build on them quickly, they just so happen to find them and be in an environment where they can discover their values and their motivators simultaneously. So now my gift is, is coming out, I'm in the right environment and I know what I'm driven by mm -hmm. and all of those are met in one place. You start to see like those people almost have an advantage. But if you're someone listening and you haven't discovered that or you haven't had those three areas or three pillars kind of come out for you simultaneously, it's honestly never too late. Never too late. Facts, facts. Now, clearly... We know the drive that helped him get to the point of being a pro boxer, right? With his talents, with his skills and everything. But how he really transformed what we thought about boxing and how you're supposed to be a fighter. Um, he did things a little bit differently. So let's get into this next clip and, and hear and see what I mean by that. Two years into his career, the man known as Pretty Boy was a charismatic star. He came out, you showboated a little bit earlier. You do that, that's part of your thing. Obviously, it rankled the crowd a little bit. They weren't thrilled with that. That's what sells tickets. And I'm here to sell tickets, you know. I'm a performer, that's what I do. I sell myself. So what's crazy to me with that is like, when we think of sports, we don't necessarily think them... Um, as a, you know, personality, right? Besides wrestling, I think, is the only one that, but that's really wrestling is purely fake and storyline anyways. But you think of basketball players, football players, baseball players, they're not really known as per se a character or a brand. I think that got famous later on, right? So he understood not only do I had to be talented, um, and skillful in this in this craft, but I have to be entertaining. Um, if especially if I want to get the money that I want, the attention that I want, he understood at a very young age, attention is what's going to bring people in, which is going to bring me more money, right? Um, so he went a different where some people had the good guy kind of uh, status. He kind of went with the bad guy, flashy. Um, you know, confidence out to the roof, um, cursing out everybody, making a whole show. And, and even if you think about some of the ways that he did his uh, press tours, right? Even from uh, Pacquiao to Conor McGregor and all that stuff, they were all like mini shows, Right. Why? And how he went on different press tours where other people, they didn't promote like that. There wasn't a press run for yeah. majority of the fights. I believe he was one of the very few that that happened from state to state to state. Now, was there an opening press uh, release? Absolutely. But how he did it, how he made it a tour 
and how he put a show on for each and every single solitary one. There was a entrance. There was a standoff. There was a commentary. There was giveaways. There, it was it. The press runs was itself was an event. Like I went to the one with him and Canelo in uh, Times Square. And oh, wow. yeah, that was a whole vibe. Uh, the La Jolla was there and everything, but it was a it was a show. Right. And he was very good at that. I guess my question to you, Moose, is how important do you think when it comes to what you're doing, it is important to make yourself stand out uh, from the crowd, even though. Uh, you can be making great money being the normal status, right? Yeah. Um, at what level do you know, yo, I, I need I need to stand out a little bit more because I need to make more money or get more exposure or whatever that kind of looks like? Yeah. So when when you look at, and, and I, I want to take it in this direction so that it can really kind of click for those who are across various industries or verticals. When you look at traditionally how humans have learned or have been entertained, it's always been through some form of storytelling, right? There's a narrative that has been told that you're attracted and you know that there are certain people that are going to play various characters, especially at the highest levels with professional sports. What is the root of professional sports? For the viewers, it's entertainment. It's a form of entertainment. Yes, you're passionate about it. You have a, a raging fan base that really is diehard fans for specific teams and their cities, but ultimately it is a form of entertainment, right? Really the ones benefiting from it, from it fees their, yes, their financial pockets, but also their passions or their fuel because they grew up playing the game are the athletes. Mm -hmm. So when you think of it from Floyd Mayweather's standpoint and why he took on the approach that he took, you got to go back to that time when he was coming up, right? During that time, who was the prime boxer? Oscar De La Hoya, yeah. right? And you think of the storyline or the narrative around him specifically was his mother was diagnosed with cancer and unfortunately she passed. Mm -hmm. And he was the hero, at least portrayed as such, the hero who was able to go on a run for the title and win despite having to deal with those personal challenges, so automatically the fan base responded to that narrative as like, man, that's our hero. Yeah. That's our protagonist. So now here comes Mayweather literally at the same exact time with the protagonist character already taken. Now, when you think of movies and the storyline, you, you see that the villain really gets just as much airtime as the protagonist does. Like the main character, Batman is going to get a lot of airtime. But guess what? The Joker is going to get a good amount of airtime too because he's right there in it or they need each other to make the movie work. So I think what Mayweather did and was very strategic because, again, this was before the information era was available. Like This was before really the Internet had taken off. And information and education was available for free on platforms like YouTube and Instagram and all these areas. And he has the intellect and the wisdom to say, you know what? The wittiness, really, if he's going to be the good guy, I'm going to be the bad guy. And I'm going to make the bad guy cool. So that is his approach to get the airtime. And then people were going, if you think about it, they were going really to see him lose more yes. than they were going in support of him. But who was benefiting financially at the end of the day? 
<laughs> you know, Absolutely. him and his promotional company. So I think that was the unique thing that that really made him different and eventually ended up getting him an opportunity to to fight May, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. And that that was a big thing that set him apart as well. So actually, I wanted to kind of spin it back to you from, you know, a Brandon perspective. When we think of storytelling, mm -hmm. narratives, main characters, do you think from your experience that this type of mentality can still be taken into industries today, right? Where you may you may set up your personal brand yep. to play the role of the villain as opposed to the protagonist until you catch up to your competitors in a way. And then I'm not saying don't be like, don't be the troll, right? Like I don't ever right, want right, someone, right. Uh, I would, I mean, I know that's a strategy too, but I'm just saying, do you think you that, yourself. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for real, for real. Um, but do you think that that could be an approach taken to personal brands? Like as we're able to identify that that was technically the, the approach that Floyd took in his success? I think it depends on the industry. I think it definitely still could play a role with some things. Um, to be honest with you, it plays a role in politics. To be honest with you, um, it definitely plays a role in, in sports um, there's, there's certain industries that has to go, that makes it interesting with storyline and you have to pick what character you want to be. And we already know the starring roles are normally heroes and villains, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get a starring role being a supportive cast member, you know? So for within boxing, yeah, you'll get some credit being a coach, but you won't be the star, right? Um, yes, you can win a bunch of fights, but if you have no personality, if you don't have a storyline, if you don't have a type of personality that attracts other people, then you just look like an average fighter regardless of how good you are, right? So I think when it comes to branding, depending on your industry, story is crucial, and how you play a part of that story is very, very uh, important because it shows what you can and can't do and why people look at you or maybe don't look at you or look at you just to see you go away, right? But regardless, they're looking at you. Some people are cool with that. Like, regardless what you say to me, uh, press, all press is good press. Like, there's no such thing as bad press because you're talking about me, right? I You cannot be talking about me, and that's when I'm a bit worried. But you're talking about me, so I'm doing something right. There's, I got your attention somehow, some way. And some people are cool with that. Now, other people are very worried about, you know, oh, my God, what do people think about me? I don't want that that per, uh, that kind of personality on me. I don't want that kind of look on me. Um, so... I think it really depends on who you are, what is your goals, definitely what is your goals, and if that kind of route is going to help you get there, and can you make a shift if you want to. Some people don't want to. Like Floyd never shifted. You know, he was always known as the flashy guy. He was always known at the as the really, like, um, flamboyant, not in that kind of way, but flamboyant, um, <laughs> flashy, always doing something that, you know, you just want my man to lose. Like, oh my God, please be quiet. Please mm -hmm. shut up. I can't, 
I can't with you. Like I just, somebody beat him so he can humble himself. Right. But that also goes with a piece of confidence because you're looking at it like, man, like how can you be so full of yourself? And when you have a undefeated record, what can you tell my man? Like, and, and to be honest, we look at uh, people like a Dale Hoya, like a Pacquiao, you know, um, you know, Victor Ortiz, all those people that he's beat that uh, Cota, who didn't have a, a loss on their record, who were super humble, mm-hmm. but then they lost. So you almost think of it, and, and maybe just in a sports standpoint, I'm not going to necessarily say in general, but you almost think to a point like, if you're not full of yourself, are you almost setting yourself up for that loss because you're so humble? Like, hmm, you know, I, I just... I'm, I just appreciate everything, and you know, I, I take all my wins very serious, and da da da. And this is for the people. And he's like, "Yo, I'm good. No one can beat me. I dare you to try. Mm-hmm. Look at my work ethic." But he had yeah. so many things to back it up. So, um, to go back to your question, it does play a role. I think it can work, it, but it it you have to be careful with understanding the industry that you're in. Dope, Fair. dope. Fair. I love that. Um, but while I brought up De La Hoya, um, and kind of just how differently, um, Floyd has really created a path for boxing, he did this, he brought reality TV to Mm. boxing. He brought all of that there, right? Um, which was amazing and different. And like I said, how he, how he, uh, promoted himself is completely different than anybody else. So let's uh, listen and, and see what I mean by that. In 2007, leading up to his career-defining fight with Oscar De La Hoya, Money Mayweather was given a national platform on a revolutionary 24-hour reality series that changed the way pay-per-view fights were promoted. As far as all access, we're showing less boxing because we want to show more lifestyle because, you know, that's what the people want to see. People are intrigued because people have, have already seen Floyd Mayweather hit the bag a thousand times. They've seen me hit the, the pads a thousand times. I'm happy with when I came over to another company, they were able to let me come up with my own ideas and say, you know what, for you coming up with your creative ideas and you coming up with you know, different ideas to build the sport and make the sport grow, you can be an executive producer. To whereas, you know, when I come up with other shows in other places, they just, you know, I'm just... You know, I don't have no ownership. So whatever I get involved with, no matter what it is, I have to, you know, I have to have some ownership. Hmm. You already know I love the ownership thing. Yeah. But Moose, talk to the people about the stats as far as how much did that De La Hoya uh, fight really make? Um, and kind of just your take on on that particular clip. For sure, yeah. So, uh, from a number standpoint, the De La Hoya fight was, at the time at least, the highest grossing fight of all time, right? They made, they got 2.4 million pay-per-view buys and generated 19 million just from pay-per-view and then 165 million in total revenue. So now, at the time, yep, and I'll let you go for it. 
Absolutely. Worthy of it. Worthy yes. of it. Because these these were numbers that, you know, again, were just not heard of at the time. Right. And the breakdown, of course, De La Hoya was the favorite at the time. So he had uh, was paid $52 million, and then Floyd was paid $25 million. Now, of course, they were under the same promotion company, right? And there's a, a unique story that ca- that came about because of that, that, that really set him apart and, and led him down this full-fledged ownership mentality. Yeah. But... That was uh, definitely one of the things that revealed to him that, wait a minute, if I'm going to allow someone else to control my destiny, and I want you to kind of introduce the story of the move that he made, because it was actually, I believe it was right after the De La Hoya fight that he did this, and the numbers were so lopsided that it was just like, this is a no-brainer, right? Uh, Actually, why don't you talk to that first, and then we'll kind of continue down that path. So the setup was... um Floyd and De La Hoya was actually on the same promotion company, uh, top rank, right? However, Floyd wasn't getting the looks that he wants because De La Hoya was the the golden boy. Clearly, mm-hmm. the golden boy. Um, he was the hero of the company. He was getting the best fights uh, as often or as least that he wanted to fight, getting all the promotion money, everything like that, right? So... Finally, he got off the uh, off top rank, right? And he created his own promotion, which was uh, Mayweather Promotions, right? So everything that was coming to him based off uh, venue, based off concession stands, pay-per-view, merch, all that great stuff was finally going to him how he positioned himself. He was really big on ownership right and how he creates his promotions so when you look at back then it was because he was on hbo it was 24 7 right that was the very first one and they did that with del hoya um the first one was all about the training camps boxing the backstory all that great stuff leading up to it and it was the first of its kind however uh, something happened to the point where he wasn't getting the creative control that he wanted to. So later on, uh, they shifted to Showtime. Do you have those numbers? I wasn't really sure if you had those numbers. The Showtime yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, and just let me add this part in here because this part was critical that that put him in position to negotiate that deal with Showtime. Mm-hmm. It's it's him buying out his contract. Yeah. Right from his current from his current promoter, so he pays seven hundred and fifty grand to his current promoter, which at the time was managing both him and De La Hoya, yep. and he breaks free. Now he's independent, and he yep. does something that really was not done before. Because if you think about it, and and I'm sure people in uh, musicians will will relate to this concept. It's like you look for an agency to represent you or to a label to kind of sign you, right? It's the same concept. Think of a a professional athlete if a team doesn't draft you. Same mentality. He says, no, I want to be undrafted. I want to be unsigned, basically. I want to be a free agent. Purchases his freedom for 750 grand. And then he goes on to strike a deal with uh, with Showtime. It was a 10-fight deal for nearly $600 million. And guess what? They give him 50% ownership in that deal. Because he had his freedom. Mm. So he's able to negotiate some serious leverage because he took on such great risk. 
But that's that whole concept. You expose yourself to more risk. And if you have the talent, you really open up yourself for some tremendous reward. Yeah. And and the thing with, with going to Showtime, not only for the money, well, that does play a big part, right? Because I think he was with <laughs> that plays H- a big part. <laughs> yeah. He he was with HBO for about 15 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So to move to Showtime was and and crazy thing is after he moved to Showtime, almost like HBO boxing died, to be right. honest with you. Um yeah. and I think Floyd knew that, but when he did that, he still brought that idea of we need to show uh kind of a reality of what happens within the camps. But he showed more of the lifestyle. He really brought more of the cars, the mansions, the girls, everything like that. The pure benefits of being the best boxer in the world, because Mm -hmm. this is what helped him get to the level that he was as far as the attention wise, not necessarily skill wise. So. Let me get the creative control, which is the only way I could do that is by changing networks and going to Showtime, right? And show it the way I want to and get a good cut of that. You know, um, when you're an innovator like that, you have those rights to do that. When you're an innovator, like you can demand what you want because there was nothing else out there like that. And I think that's why it's super important to really figure out your own lane, regardless if you're in an industry or um, or niche or whatever that is already having people in there that are winning, right? What can you do to separate yourself that can demand that, that money? We went over that before with, I think, um, what was it, Pharrell? Right. And we literally said the the famous quote, uh, riches are in the niches. Right. If you create something, nothing, nobody has done. There's unlimited value to that. They can't put a price tag on you. You put a price tag on on what you offer. And that's exactly what he's done with his whole boxing career. No one's ever promoted the way he does. No one ever done a reality TV show. People done it after him, but no one's done it the way he does. No one has created um, the the attention that he has, right? So you look at that and, and you look at what maybe you are building. What are you creating that no one else has, right, that now has unlimited money power? And are you utilizing that to its full potential, because sometimes we undervalue ourselves, right? Sometimes we're like, yo, that uh, this standard of third. And you're like, wait, no, what are you talking about, right? Um, and sometimes you need friends to check you on that. Shout out to Moose hey. because uh, he did that to me yesterday. Um, but but that's the thing. When you have that, that personality, that product that service that no one else can match right that that comes with a price tag that you put not them yeah yeah absolutely i was going to say as long as you have the demand you're able to use that as leverage because he's in demand enough where showtime would be lucky to have him the crazy Mm -hmm. thing is that some of their executives went on record saying that 
we are happy to give him that amount because they were they were in question like are you sure you're going to give an athlete 50 percent mm. of their contract right. and they said you, you know they still saw the value so think about it you have to be and create such high demand that somebody is willingly able to give you the 50 percent and on top of it they're saying okay we'll give you the creative freedom as well so i think that was one of the things that from a reality situation, why isn't Floyd looked at as crazy when he went to negotiate that deal? He had the demand to leverage. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, so let's get into the business side real quick. Let's get into the business mm-hmm. side real quick. Just because, um, like we mentioned earlier, he's not only made smart moves inside the ring, but he made mm-hmm. smart moves outside the ring, which is very important when it comes to careers like sports, you know, um, that has a time period, right? I'm not going to say a short or long time. I'm just saying it has a time period. It will end, right? You mm-hmm. cannot uh, play ball or box or for the longest time. I think maybe golf is the longest career you can have, but <laughs> neither that. I don't know if a 90-year-old <laughs> is still golfing like he did before, I'm just saying, you know, I haven't seen one yet, you know. Um, so this is what he he talks about when he talks about his investments. And I'm still and my money is still making money. And as far as in real estate, I made smart investments. And, you know, I can think I got somewhere upwards of one point two billion in real estate as of right now. But just smart investments. I'm, like I said, before, I'm just truly blessed and I'm thankful uh, for all the people that went out and bought pay-per-view all those years. What about the TMT gear? That's selling great. Um, I think right now with you know with the with the money team and the movement, uh, we're making ten to twenty million dollars a year, and that's just all online. Hmm. Mm mm mm. Mm mm mm. Online. Huh? Online. I said online. I like that part. Online. Listen. Listen. Um. First off, I am a proud. Um, Hello. Yes, we're here. Hello. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, I, w- I will say that I have several hats and shirts from uh, TMT um, mm. just because. You contributed to that. I, I definitely did. Saying. You know cool, who had cool. a lot of my make- money? A lot of my money, um, n- not only now marathon, but um, TMT and G Unit. Really? G Unit. Yes, G Unit had all my money. G Unit had sneakers, hats, shirts, underwear, everything G Unit had. Yes, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. I bought them. I got I everything G unit. I promise you I did. Uh Floyd, I bought majority of it. Now there was this fire tracksuit that I wanted, but my man, he made that much money because he charges. Like really? wow. Ch- like premium charging for these shirts and these hats that don't cost that much. Was the much. quality good though? Like was it still good quality it's or was okay. it the, like the two-time wear type of No, no, it's okay. It's all right. I don't. I don't know if it's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's cool. Like it's still lasting. So I bought this for a long 
a long time ago and the hats are still good. Uh, I think the shirt is a little, because it was like the best ever or whatever, and it started to rip off. But that's not the point, right? So um, looking at taking his money and making those smart investments, I think one of them, he like bought, he has like a few skyscrapers and everything like that. He didn't, I think he invested almost as much as he spent, you know? Sure. I think that's sure. that's a fair statement to say, which is a lot. Okay? Yeah. Which is yeah. a lot. Some people will buy more than they invest or invest and wait till like they're 80 something to enjoy it, right? So mm-hmm. I think Floyd does honestly a healthy balance of investing and spending. Like I have one life to live, but I do have kids. Yeah. You know? So I think that's that's very smart. But one thing that I do like about Floyd is that not only does he make investments within himself and his family, he makes investments within his team, right? Mm. Um, and I think that plays a good part when it comes to leadership, you know, yeah. understanding, especially in the kind of role that he's in where it's like, you know your career isn't forever. And you yeah. know you have certain people who make your career work. But when you hang up the gloves, then what? And he took that and was like, you know what? Let's each one of you have a business, right? Yeah. Let's each one of you have a business. I think that's, for me, I think that's more than just giving you the opportunity and the time. I think when you give people the resources and walk them through it, right? With your network, with everything. I think that's a whole different style of leadership that is very rare and doesn't get acknowledged, right? I don't think he gets enough props or any kind of props for that because he could have left his, his, his team high and dry when he was done, you know? For sure. He was like, yo mom, like, Y'all got to figure this out. I gave y'all time. Y'all knew this day was coming. Y'all know yeah. I'm done. I, I, I've i announced it. Like, if you haven't found anything, I don't know what to tell you, right? Um, and he didn't do that with them. He was like, we're all going to be set up. Um, what do you think about that approach, Moose? I know um, you have probably have had seen and dealt with different leadership situations. You obviously play a leadership role. Like what is your take on, on that kind of concept? Yeah, I think it's brilliant, especially for those who, uh, you know, don't come for money and acquire a great deal of wealth. Mm -hmm. And with a giving heart, you tend to take on a lot of people's problems and you want to obviously help them financially, but you need to take into consideration that the money is not going to continue to come in, at least in that that amount, Mm -hmm. if you're not continuing to diversify or at least figuring out methods to teach them to generate their own income. If they're just relying and you're giving, as a matter of fact, that's really the worst thing that you can do for them because you're not teaching them any good habits. Like you're not transferring the knowledge or the education or the wealth that you're acquiring for them to maintain after you're gone or after you're done you know, with your career. So I think the brilliant thing that he does is that he begins to train them. And I think also 
the fact that uh, I, I don't know how much this is talked about, but his business partner, Leo, he's a, a graduate from Harvard Business School, right? Mm -hmm. So like he, he's getting some high level counsel. It's not just, you know, a group of minority owners trying to be flashy and ball out. Mm -hmm. There There's some real strategic planning that's happening behind the moves because they know how to leverage that. You know, when you talk about the business side, we compared him to LeBron James in the sense that, yes, very big names in their sport. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that Floyd did was he hired and shared revenues with the with the companies that run the entire fight. So when he partners with someone like MGM, he's now able to get a percentage of guess what? The concession, right? Like like food. And and beverages sold in the concession stands down to the concessions, he's profiting on everything that happens under his roof or that he's involved in. Right. Where LeBron, I, maybe he gets some bonuses for jerseys sold, I'm sure, but not. I don't know if he's getting paid on uh, concession sales, right? So uh, that that wittiness again to really look at every single opportunity and leave no stone unturned to figure out where can I leverage? Where can I have an, a say in what happens if I have this much control and demand? And slowly but surely it started to turn over. Like there was really nothing like what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And some, some, some analysts say it's, it's rare that it will be recreated because the sport, you know, there's been talks about boxing dying out. And yep. of course, MMA on such a high demand right now, there are some doubts that it would be ever recreated. But I think what he did was brilliant. And of course, beginning to share that knowledge with his team and his people, that was a, a great move on his part. Lloyd is rich. <laughs> That's what's up. I, 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 don't, I don't think we really need to break that down anymore. He's yeah, rich. Yeah, no, I think they get, he it. Made, they get it. He made a lot of money doing what we continue to hear, like real estate, opening up different businesses, online businesses. I mean, if all these greats continue to do it, why haven't you? But I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Okay? I do have a question. Um, now, a lot of people... I'm going to get in a little into boxing, right? Just a tad bit. Okay. So do you think that the way he, the people that he fought, was that a disservice for the craft to the sport? Or was it strictly business and the craft doesn't even matter because of the result? that happened, which is a flawless record and millions and highest paying athlete for several years and his children's 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 thought of a child, uh, dog <laughs> is perfectly fine for, <laughs> for the coming years. Like, yeah, there's been so many controversies about how he got to that you know, to that record. And yeah. I just wanted to your take on does does that do a disservice or at some point you have to think business wise? Yeah, no, I think it's only fair, man. No one's going to look after your best interest. And we've seen 
uh, owners from other sports, right? Mm -hmm. The owner of the Clippers who uh, was disproportionately, you know, favoring certain, you know, I, and I'm like, you get the idea. I don't need to explain what happened, but, but you know that ownership is not in the best interest of the athlete. Yeah. They're in the best interest of themselves. Right. So I think it's only right that if you're going to put your body on the line, you're going to jeopardize your health in the future and you're, you're facing a great deal of risk where at, at some point the owner, once he generates a great sum of capital, he's really not exposing his health for mm -hmm. the most part. He's just putting his capital out there to run the business. Mm -hmm. And once he's accepted into that society, for the most part, again, they're able to really roll and, and, and stay afloat. So I don't think that Floyd did wrong because his work ethic never wavered. So although he was going out and partying and shopping and he was showing the lifestyle yep. on some of these shows, guess what? He was still at the gym doing the two-a-days and the three-a-days and showing his work ethic and all of that. So had his work ethic wavered, had he come into a fight and missed the weight or didn't make the cut or out of shape or we saw his performance kind of dwindle, I would have said, yeah, you disrespected the sport. That was strictly a money move. And, mm -hmm. and as someone who appreciates mastery of a, of a, a craft, I, I would have been upset. But honestly, there is nothing you can critique. I mean, the man went out 50 and 0. So like, what can you say about that? You know, so I think it's just someone who leveraged what the sport provided mm -hmm. and used some of his other talents or his resources, maybe his team or those in his corner to say, you know what, I'm going to really expose it and make it, the, you know, just monopolize, go, go as much as I can. And now moving forward, he's able to open a franchise gym and run another business because it's within the boxing realm so excuse me it all makes sense yeah um but what you think about was he as far as the Pacquiao and the Floyd like clearly understanding that you did not pick my man at his prime oh yeah 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 you know yeah. When that was first talked about, how he prolonged some of these fights, right, to to maybe benefit him, right? What do you? That's what I like. What do you think about those yeah. kind of movements? Well, I mean, and I can understand some of the the real passionate boxing fans who want to see a great fight. Right. I'm looking at it more from a business mind, and I'm just thinking that. If I'm 42 and 0 or 43 and 0 when when the Pacquiao fight was being discussed, yeah. I have a lot more to lose than Pacquiao who has already lost two or three fights, right? Mm. Like he 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 has everything to gain if he beats me, but I have everything to lose if I lose to him. So it's like no, it's a, such a lopsided thing that I need to really take into consideration. So I think at that point he was really looking at the fight as an investment, right? As a part of his investment portfolio and saying like, is this a good move for me to enter this or make this investment at the moment? It's like, oh, nope, not right now. Right. So I'm, I'm not mad at him, honestly. And again, looking at it from a business side, I can understand the passionate boxing fanatic who's saying, man, no, we want to see the best, you know, go head to head during their prime because it entertains us. Absolutely. You know, he's looking at it from a different perspective. Okay, I'm with that. Yeah. I'm with that. Look, but we, you know what time it is. We got to figure out what my man Floyd Money Mayweather is. Let's put these characters up. Uh, I don't remember who goes first, second, third anymore. 
Yeah, okay. I, I'll go first this time. I'll oh, go first this time. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, hold on. Leave, wait, wait. Leave, leave wait. it off a little bit. Who do you got first? He is not a grounds crew. Oh. Uh, I love your reactions every time. It's like, oh, man, yeah, I know. He's you not. Don't, you, don't, you don't think he's supportive? <laughs> you don't think, you know, he's behind the scenes? Okay, never mind. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to be quick with this because, and this is a no-brainer. It's honestly a no-brainer um, as far as the top two. Now when we get mm-hmm. down to what's number one, that's the that's the debate. But yeah. uh, no, no. Sorry, sorry, air traffic controllers. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. All yeah, right. Maybe, maybe, maybe strategic during his fights, but I wouldn't say that's what he leveraged to amass what he has. So yeah, yeah no, I'm with you on that. No. So we say uh, pilot and flight attendant. Now the question is, what do we think? He is. And please comment on your input uh, and feedback about this. Um, However, uh, Moose, let's hear your take. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say mine. Okay. Well, I believe... I believe he is not... Or is higher of... Higher of pilot than he is flight attendant. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me, let me give you my, uh, my jurisdiction or my verdict for it. Go ahead. Uh, you know what? It goes back to that very first clip for me. Okay. Where he's talking about work ethic, Mm -hmm. that, that going through it, doing whatever it takes Mm-hmm. Right to to get to the boxing gym and put himself in the position to be the best that he can be, mm-hmm. and I think because that was his earliest memory, at every stage of his development or every stage of his career, mm-hmm. that was still the primary force that was powering you know his moves and his alternatives. When he saw how the flashiness will impact his bottom line, when he saw how going from Pretty Boy Floyd to Money Mayweather was going to impact his overall bottom line, he was able or willing to put himself more out there as the villain or expose some of the lifestyle to bring it together. So I'm going to stick with it. And I believe that he was uh, predominantly a pilot, but definitely that flight attendant was super up there if he felt that uh, that comfortable, you know, to make it click like that. What you think? Uh, so I semi-agree. I semi-agree. Okay. Um, but I think naturally, I think he's a flight attendant. I think to get to where he is, he had to be a pilot. Absolutely. But as he's in his very comfortable state of just, uh, doing whatever he wants to do, going to all these lavish places, having this lavish, uh, lifestyle, all that great stuff. Uh, being flashy as he is still till this day with no fighting. Okay. Mm. Um, I think between fashion 
between his character, like his just his personality. I believe his flight attendant hits a little bit more, I think, to get the job done. I think it's either even or maybe just a little bit more of flight attendant um, mm. just because he he has to make the decisions. He's big on clearly economics and, and trying to figure out how to get the bag and everything. But my man has way too much fun. Uh, even from a kid, when we looked at the uh, interviews, like he was always dancing. He was always... Uh, the clown. He was always the life of the party and always loved fashion and things like that. He was always a flashy kid to now he's still the flashy guy. Um, I think just slightly, not too much dramatically. I would almost say three to five points. Wow. Like neck to neck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If it's not even already. Because, I mean, I think you know how to do a switch when it needs to, right? Um, If it is not even, if it's not neck to neck, I think it is a three to five point difference as far as he has a little bit more flight attendant. Because I think at some point he would be easy on the flashiness. I think he would be easy from being so upfront, um, but he's not. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know what example I thought back to mm. watching like some of the 24 sevens and, and some of those different episodes yeah. is that even in the gym while he was training, he would have a bunch of people in there. Like it was to. like it was crazy. Like his family, his baby mom, his children, everyone just running around. And that's when he was like at his best. So it's like, yeah, you know what? That kind of does make sense, though. Mm. I can see that for real. Did I just did I make the this doctor almost? Change his, change his answer. I'm getting that better. one example. I was like, yeah, I'm I gotta get that one though. People, I'm, I'm getting better. Get I'm just letting you know this. When it comes to this topic, he can't beat me in any. Well, not any other. There's some several ones that I feel very strong about that he cannot. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'm I be going with caution. I gotta get legit facts to go against my man. And normally I don't really debate. I'd be like, yep, you're right. You're right. <laughs> nope. Yep, Can't even point. say anything. All right. Nope. <laughs> you got that. I forgot what. There was one time where I said something, his face changed. He was like, actually, no, I don't. I don't think that's really right. I was like, oh, nope. We're back at square one. <laughs> credibility shot. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, um, man. Great episode, great episode. Um, Moose, final words. Yeah, I think go in on go in and, and and expose yourself to risk if you if you have the gift, the values, and the environment. Right? Like if you've identified your gift and you know what it is, you're motivated to use it in a way that your culture or your environment needs it you should feel very comfortable exposing yourself to maximum risk and betting on yourself. Now, I'm not saying go out there and spend a million dollars on a pair of shoes. I'm not saying that type of risk. I'm talking about really saying, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to buy you know, full ownership to be able to promote myself. I'm going to negotiate my deals. I'm going to look for ways to capitalize and expose myself to risk because with those three things in alignment, your demand is only a matter of time before it comes and pops through. And that is ultimately really the formula for Floyd's success. 